0: Welcome back to I Sock at Small Talk. I'm Janine Ramirez. And today, I have a fantastic guest with me, Nicole, who I met like over four years ago, I think, when we took Spanish classes in <laughs> El Aula Azul. I think we met in like Pincho Pote, if I'm not mistaken. And since then, we do random things together when she was living here, like practicing her Spanish, playing bananagrams, and even attempting, but we did it, to kayak to Isla Santa Clara. On a not so safer kayaking day <laughs> that's a good, that's in the books for me, like as one of the most amazing memories here in Donosti. So I'm thrilled to have Nicole on the show because she really does inspire me. She's taken her love for mountains to a whole new level, conquering a lot of incredible peaks. So thanks so much for agreeing to do this, Nicole, even if it's outside of your comfort zone <laughs> and I'm excited to hear about your Pyrenees adventure. Uh, thank you for having me. I'm
1: very excited to be here, and uh, I'm very honored that you think I am uh, interested enough to see uh, on your podcast.
0: <laughs> of course, are you crazy? You freaking walked for I don't know how many days <laughs> up and down mountains. That's so crazy. Like I wouldn't even think of doing that, and alone. So I'm like, I'm excited to know more about that story. But before that, like my first few guests. Have been people that have lived outside of their original homeland so just to understand you better can you give us like a quick lowdown of all the different places that you've lived so far Yes I
1: will uh, make it, keep it short because it's quite uh, quite a lot uh, so I am from the Netherlands so that's where I spent the first uh, yeah 10, 20, 25 years and then I moved to Swedish Lapland in winter, so beautiful winter wonderland with the northern lights and a husky sled and everything. Then I came to Donosti until like COVID happened. I went home with the COVID time because I was crazy to be uh, away from family in this time. Yeah. And then I uh, moved to Switzerland Because that was basically the only place uh, open still for skiing and stuff in Europe, because of all the COVID restrictions everywhere. And that was pretty amazing. So I stayed for summer to do some awesome hiking there. After that, I uh, went back to Swedish Lapland, because a friend of mine uh, was running a lodge and they really needed help, so I joined them uh, there for a few months. Uh, the summer, then I did the hike actually. And after that, uh, from last no- November, I've been in Norway, first in the north, and now I'm uh, a bit further south.
0: Yeah. Oh my gosh, so many places, and always <laughs> apart from the Netherlands with mountains. Always with and mountains, peaks, exactly. right? <laughs> So, your passion is really. Going up mountains like, exactly. Can you share the moment That you realized that you, you love hiking?
1: Well um, I think that must have been my first Solo travels which was to Canada Of course uh, lots of mountains there It's been my dream uh, for years To go to Canada and I was like okay I saved up some money I, I started working a, a real job right, To save up uh, to go to Canada And then I did some multi day uh, Or just one day hikes actually in Canada I was barely new. I traveled alone and I was a bit scared, you know, you hear all the stories about bears, so very like subtle But heights, you were and...
0: with like a group, right?
1: No, no, it was just me. <laughs> it was just me traveling uh, two months through uh, Canada. Yeah, western Canada. And then um, I was like, all oh, the mountains are great. I started feeling it and I started saving up to go two and a half months to New Zealand where I actually started doing these first multi-day trips. N- n- nothing big, just like two nights, three nights, something like that. But am uh, still alone, Nicole? Still alone, yes. Oh my gosh!
0: <laughs> I would be so scared to sleep I mean, out there on my own.
1: The first few nights, it's a bit like awkward, because it's like, okay, I'm alone in this small tent in the mountains, but soon you realize like it's actually more scary to be in a big city with all these people that you cannot trust, maybe, you know, there's so many people around as we're in the mountains. Especially in New Zealand. Like, okay, in Canada, that would be a bit tricky with the bears and stuff. But in New Zealand, what what's going to happen to you? You know, you're just there in your tent. And the worst thing that happens is the weather, basically. You got to be aware hmm. of what the weather does, of course. But, uh, yeah, that's, that's where it started.
0: The last time that I saw you here, and we celebrated your birthday a bit late, but we still celebrated. <laughs> yes, we <did.
1: laughs> you were
0: about to embark on... A crazy but incredible journey walking through the Pyrenees. So can you tell us like why you decided to do that? How many kilometers you did? How long did it take you?
1: Well, um so I walked from like the the Atlantic Ocean to the Mediterranean Sea, right? The whole thing starting in the Basque Country, ending in like Catalonia and um It was about 52 days, including the rest days. I would take like every uh, once a week, I would take a rest day because it's obviously a lot for the body to handle. And um, it's 900 kilometers. But I think the most uh, challenging thing was actually the elevation gain because it's Mm. like uh, 46,000 meters up and also 46,000 meters down. And if you think about like 52 days, including every week a rest day, that's like on average a thousand up and a thousand down a day. So that's, uh, that's quite a lot for your body. Uh, Why I did this, Um, I actually heard about it when we lived in Donosti, like I, but not, I really didn't think about anything about it. I was just like, oh, that's cool. People do that. And then, um, The second time I was in Swedish Lapland, I met these people that did the PCT and uh, I don't know if you know what it is, but it goes like it's a hike from like the uh, Canadian border all the way to the Mexican border in the US and it's like four and a half thousand kilometers. It's like this crazy, crazy long hike. People take five months to complete it and I met two people who did that and I was like, oh, I'd love to cross the Pyrenees and uh, they're like you should do it and I was like yeah I actually should do it so I started spreading the words to people there
0: like I think this summer I'm going to building your own in. confidence yeah, yeah, and really be like is this possible that. when everyone says like yeah then you're like okay exactly. yeah yeah." It. like
1: slowly getting a taste of it you know like am I really gonna do this and spreading it and everyone's like wow that sounds amazing and I was like it does sound amazing actually so uh one thing led to another and uh I did it, yeah.
0: (laughs) And you found like a book, right? Like that kind of was your guide through the whole thing because that's not easy. Like you have to know when to buy your food, how long you're gonna be without water and things like that, and where to camp.
1: Yeah, really. There's like, um, yeah, there's plenty of guidebooks actually, but there's one main guidebook uh, for the, the GR11 is what this hike is called actually. And uh, it, it tells you nice camp spots, water, um, but actually this book was a few years old and now uh, with climate change, that uh, yeah, was very hot in the High Pyrenees, so a lot of water sources were like low, oh, no. not there anymore, so yeah. that was maybe the biggest challenge. Uh, so there was also an app that you can download and it's a bit more accurate than this book. But yeah, there's days where you uh, have to carry water for the whole day, have to carry food for five days, so you can imagine that pack getting uh, quite heavy at some points.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's a lot of prep work. Like that's what I wanna yeah. would like for people whoever listens to this. Like you gotta prep, you gotta know what you're doing. You can't oh, sure, just like yes. randomly go into the the mountains and the forest, right? And I'm sure there are like tough moments. So. For the GR11, what was like the most challenging parts of your journey and how did you overcome them? Maybe you can give us like a top three.
1: Um, Yeah, like I mentioned before, the the heat, there was like a massive heat wave uh, right when I started. And everyone told me like, oh, you're going in high mountains. It's not going to be that bad. But you know, the rolling hills of the best country, it's not high mountains. It's like maybe eight, nine hundred meters that I had the first days. So uh, that was really tough. I am not a person for hot weather. I go no no to those you're you snow exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I go to these cold destinations for a reason, right? Yeah. I don't like hot weather. So when I started walking in like forty-two degrees, was my oh. first few days. Yeah, that's that's not temperatures when you should be hiking, you know. And uh, and that's
0: just like under the sun, right? Like there are some the moments that you don't have yeah. shade.
1: Yeah, exactly especially in the mountains if you go at some certain point it's just the trees are gone you know so it's really like yeah hot hot weather and the toughest moment for sure was when i um i walked with this polish woman for the day and uh yeah we had the same pace we were like in the beginning of our trail it's nice to talk and share experience and this and that and um yeah at some point we took a rest because it was the hottest uh, time of the day and i thought okay that's ridiculous to go walk from like 12 to 4 it's crazy but she was pushing me like let's go a bit further and we walked over this mountain pass with very hot weather just not enough water because one of the water sources was completely dry and pushing through pushing through uh make it through the day i finally found a camp spot but yeah i uh, i caught a heat stroke on my third day of oh, the no. walk and uh yeah i'm gonna spare you the details but you can imagine it came out from both ends of my body uh and then sleeping in a tent in the middle of nowhere is uh, maybe not the nicest thing you can imagine.
0: But yeah. you had like the your your Polish your new Polish friend with you at that Actually,
1: point. Actually, no, because she decided to go a bit further than I did because she was on a uh. tight schedule. There's a lot of people that were like super tight schedule. They wanted to do it in like 30 days, which you can imagine is a big difference from me doing yeah. it in 50 days. Um, and I later uh, discovered that she didn't uh, make it throughout the trail. She only no. made it to like the first two hundred kilometers because she uh, yeah it
0: was she gave unrealistic. up. Unrealistic.
1: Yeah, it was unrealistic. Like her pace was too to quick. Hurt. Yeah. 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 That's so, another um, thing,
0: right? Like you had to prepare your feet for because yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. you're your gonna get like blisters
0: and stuff like that.
1: Well, the blisters wasn't too bad, actually. But uh, for me, it was my knees walking down all the time. Mm. It's such a big burden for your knees, right? Yeah. Walk down. And yes, you ha- walk with hiking poles. That helps a little bit. But you can imagine if you walk a 1,000 meters down all the time. That just really hurts for your knees. It's really good. So that was, for me, the biggest issue, actually. Yeah.
0: Okay. Like, quick question about the heat stroke. Did that make you boss a few days, or how did you get through that?
1: Yeah, I uh, so when I was camping there and I was really sick, I was like five kilometers away from the nearest town. So I yeah, I think that five kilometers took me like three hours. I was really on a very slow pace getting there. I booked a hostel for two nights to really get okay. uh, um, uh, to recover, uh, but there was no air conditioning in that hostel, so it was still very warm, of course. But yeah, I I recovered, I had some proper food. Um, My sleeping mat also got flat that night, so I had the tools to fix my sleeping mat. And then I uh, took it very slow because it was still 42 degrees. So I started walking at like five in the morning to Mm. 10 in the morning. And that was my uh, days then, just like very short until the temperatures would be like around 30 and you could
0: actually walk a little bit again. For my friends who, like me, have never really been in mountains. <laughs> like, I was never really go into mountains before <laughs> living here. Like, Nicole had to carry a lot of shit. You know what I mean? Like, you carry <laughs> everything with you. And sometimes, like, they're, like water is heavy. Well, you have to carry a lot. So, this is just blowing my mind. Like, I can imagine <laughs> if it were me, I'd just be cursing the entire <laughs> especially <laughs> heading up and yeah with the knees the pain in the knees coming down what made all of it worth it like all this effort all the struggles what made it worth it
1: well um this is quite hard to explain but like this this ultimate feeling of freedom you know like like you say you carry everything on your back so there's a tent a sleeping bag uh, your stove all your food water and it makes you realize we don't really need so much in life like modern day life is all about uh, possessing stuff, buying a house, getting that nice furniture in, having the the newest smartphone and out there in the nature you have this ultimate freedom feeling like I don't need anything in life I just need the essentials and uh, that feeling is just great and to just live that for 50 days is just like, oh my god, this great feeling. And besides that, also, actually, the fact that you're accomplishing something. Like yeah, it's
0: not,
1: it's not something a lot of people do. Well, a lot of people do it actually, but not like uh, a no, lot of people. No, I am do sure this. if we
0: <laughs> do like a survey of the world, like, majority will not say that they've done something yeah, like this, right? Exactly.
1: So, this this feeling of like, Actually being proud of yourself. Yeah. I I don't know about you, but I don't have that feeling very often that I'm proud of me, you know? And with this, I can actually say I'm super proud of what I did, you know? I crossed the Pyrenees by foot. That's crazy.
0: I'm also super proud of you. It's very, very empowering. Like, I can imagine that you're like, I can take care of myself and I can do this on my own. That's exactly so... Amazing, and that's why I'm having you on. Like, Nicole is amazing, and I hope you don't lose that feeling of being proud of yourself because you've done so much that a lot of people would not have done, and that's you. Okay, so mm-hmm. there, I just I'm just I'm giving, you that gift. I'm giving you that gift. I'm not sure if you're comfortable telling us about your recent fall because the last time I asked you how you were, you you mentioned that you, you fell in the mountain. And on your own. So yes. can you tell us a little bit about that and how you get yourself to just continue hiking even with all the danger?
1: Yeah that was uh, here in Norway like I mentioned before I live in Norway now and in an area with very steep mountains actually and I went on a day hike quite a big day hike it was like 1600 meters uh, elevation gain up and it all went fine. Uh, one of my colleagues told me, like, oh, it's not marked very well. So I I took my watch, I put it, uh, the trail on it so it could guide me through the top. But when I was at the top, uh, the watch was like, hey, congratulations, you made it. And it didn't show me the, the way down again. And I could have programmed that, but naively me was like, oh, I'll find the way back. You know, like, I, I walked this way here, so yeah. I'll find it back. And on the way down, there was like two mountains, like first peak, then a little like a valley and then second peak. And in this valley, I thought I was already on the peak. So I started walking down and I uh, walked down the wrong way of the mountain. And well, I checked on my phone, I was like, oh, I'm walking down the wrong way, but maybe if I can cut it through here, I'll find the trail again. And then I go down. I, I was just lazy to go back up the way I came and find the trail, red flag, red flag, of course. <laughs> And, uh, yeah, while finding the way, I slipped and fell on a rock that had a little stream over it. I, yeah, wet rock, super slippery. I slipped and fell, and uh, later it turned out I fell down for about uh, 20 meters. So that's really a lot. Uh, over boulders and sharp rocks, and, um, yeah, it's crazy. Uh, but eventually the, the, the fall came to a stop. I ended on a little, little plateau in the middle of nowhere, crazy... Um, I have to get out of here you know like oh I just you're gonna judge like oh what what is my condition like my feet really hurt my back mm-hmm. really hurt but I have my phone and um, I can I can get out of here do I call 911 no I don't think it's necessary because I can still walk you know in the end I should have maybe called yes but uh, I didn't and it took me um about four hours to get uh, yeah, first of all back on the trail so I had to walk that way up that I didn't want to walk up and then uh, I still had to descend a mountain of like 900 meters so that's a lot Oof. but luckily I met a guy halfway uh, on the way down and he helped me out and um, after that they called me an ambulance anyway and uh, turns out I broke my uh, my ribs in my back and uh, I bruised my feet pretty bad. I still uh, it still hurts a bit now, now until this day, and it's been like three months. But uh, yeah, after the six weeks of uh, recovering, I um, I had this trip planned, of course, <laughs> going to Greenland, and that was a multi-day hike as well. Not so long as Pyrenees it was only only nine days in the complete wilderness.
0: And, and after uh, I, breaking your ribs
1: and back, yes. After breaking my ribs in the bag, I decided it was a good idea to work for nine days with a 16-kilogram backpack on my back. But wait, like you asked
0: the doctors, right? Like, if that was okay?
1: Well, (laughs) I I checked with a friend. He's a physiotherapist. And he was like, obviously, I wouldn't recommend it to anyone to do Mm. it. But you can't really get any more damage of your back. The feet is hard to judge because he wasn't here obviously but he said you cannot do any more damage on your back uh, oh it might hurt a bit more but it's not going to give you permanent damage so that was most important for me like okay i don't want to risk my health for this but if i have a little bit more pain that's all right mm. and uh, i really felt strongly that i had to do this um mainly because i wanted to get my confidence back again yeah. you know like having that feeling of i can do this i can i can can survive in the mountains, you know, and uh, Greenland was rolling hills more than steep hills we have here, otherwise I wouldn't have done it, it was just too fresh, but uh, yeah, it was amazing.
0: (laughs) What did you learn though? Like, are you going to make adjustments in the way that you hike because of the fall? Like, or I don't know, like, do you understand better the red flags when you should call someone for help and things like that because of the experience?
1: Yeah, that for sure, like next next time I would for sure call for help earlier and to stick to the trail, that's just really important. If you're not sure, double check and uh, go back to the last point where you were on the trail and go from there because they made this trail for a reason, right? right. Like that's the safest way to go and uh, to just descend a mountain without a trail, that's
0: just uh, very dangerous, it turns out. <laughs> I'm so glad that you're okay. And I'm so proud of you for, I guess it's also like self-awareness and knowing your body, right? Like, okay, get someone's opinion as to, is this going to make me worse? Or, you know, is this bad for me? And if not, and it's just pain. I love that you say it's just like a little (laughs) more pain. (laughs) Because a lot of people would run the other way from pain, right? But mm-hmm. just like knowing what you're capable of and going for it, I'm so proud of you. And ah, I'm going to go <laughs> up the mountain again today because of yes. my because of That's my it. conversation <laughs> with you, Mikaela's no happy. to <laughs> <I'm gonna> go <laughs> up the mountain again. So okay, what's next? Like what's next on your adventure list? Uh,
1: well, I haven't really. Thought, well of course I thought about it a lot but with everything that happened like this fall and Greenland we're talking is very recent so I've been quite busy occupied with my head with with that like Greenland was a big adventure for me uh, but I I would love to uh, go out of Europe maybe like uh, I, I moved to Donosti to learn Spanish to go to Patagonia like like Chile and Argentina so that would be... Yeah, a big dream to go there. There's this massive hike of like 3,000 uh, kilometers, but maybe that's a bit too much to do that. Like, that's a proper month we're talking, but that goes from like one end to Patagonia to another. So something like this would be amazing, but I haven't really given it, like, I don't have proper, like, this is going to be next year. But there's a lot, even in Europe. There's like this GR20, which crosses Corsica. It's like it's meant to be like the hardest through hike of Europe. Uh, stuff like this. Oh my god, there's so much. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's I such guess it's a quite
1: addictive, you know? Yeah, and it's
0: like it's a it's a whole world on its own, right? Like people really? that cross through places and mountains. It's like these guides exist, and if you're in that world, you know it. And I love having friends like you that are so knowledgeable about that world, right? Like, I have Mikael for surf and those things, but I love learning about all these different universes within our universe because I'm not the type that gets addicted to a sport, especially. So I will live vicariously through you and watch your adventures. Yeah,
1: yeah. yeah it's okay. really like this one world and it's it's crazy. People like obviously you want your backpack as light as possible so it's also like this whole lightweight gear kind yeah, of yeah the gear is another <laughs> thing right
0: like okay yeah. maybe this watch is better or yeah like I need something lighter or something that will keep my coffee hot for a longer time Yeah, or and, and like people that.
1: really get like uh, their grand junkies like oh uh, i'm 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 cutting off the end of my toothbrush, so it's less weight, like they really go that far, you know oh,
0: I'm like, well, that's crazy yeah but how much weight is that? you know, yeah, but I really. guess it accumulates <laughs> right like maybe if they cut off enough <laughs> things of toothbrushes yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, or really. only I, bring I this toothpaste. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> Okay, I ask all of my guests this final question because the podcast is called I Suck at Small Talk. Um, so, for my final question, what do you think you suck at and how are you working to overcome it?
1: Well, I I really suck at decision-making, actually, Like, which is quite inconvenient with my way of living. Because every half a year, I go to a different workplace, right? And you have to decide where you go. Yeah. And, um, that's that's really something I suck at, especially with these big decisions. Like it's going to be the next part of my life, you know. So it better to be a nice spot. And uh, but even with like dinner plans, we should we go here or there? I I suck at making decisions, really. Um, and I haven't really found a way yet to uh, overcome this. So if anyone has uh, tips for me, please reach out to me.
0: <laughs> really. Well, yeah, like, I remember talking with you through these decisions, right? Like, where mm-hmm. should you work, should, or when are you going to get this? But I also see you as someone that's just open to opportunities. And when you find something, I feel like you go all in, right? I, I
1: mean, I do, but the process to it is, like, it's quite long. I think you remember when I was coming back to the Nosty after this COVID thing, I was, like... Ah, I want to live in Spain. Uh, I want to be here, but I ended up going to Switzerland. You know, like these decisions. Like I want to be here, but I can also be there. And I there, there's too many options. That it, it's it's too hard to decide. But uh, yeah.
0: yeah, but I feel like maybe now you're in just a stage of exploration. So you should yeah. be kind to yourself and forgive yourself for for not having like fixed decisions yet like i'm sure that's something that you'll learn especially with all your experience in the mountains you know those are like mini decisions that give you more confidence and i'm sure you're gonna be fine you're always fine and not just fine (laughs) You're, you're gonna be great Ah, thank you so much, it. Nicole. I was so like amazed at all your stories today. Thanks for sharing your journey and your love for mountains with us and with me. I am so motivated to conquer more mountains because there's so many yes. here that I have not <laughs> even climbed because I'm so scared, and I just rather look for mushrooms and not look yeah, for peaks.
1: Yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> Which I, I, I haven't like, yet We
1: go together <laughs> Okay, yes
0: When you visit We shall go to a mountain Because now I have Here's my There's a large mountain, now say, I... Yes That's <laughs> my gift to to Nicole For her late birthday celebration Which has all the mountains <laughs> in Donossi And I have my license now So I can drive you to the mountains Perfect. When you visit Perfect. Okay. <laughs> awesome Okay, so to whoever might be listening I hope you're feeling inspired To discover your own passions And overcome your personal mountain don't forget to subscribe to ISOC at Small Talk and share your thoughts with us so I know we're not just talking to the wind. Ah! Thanks, Nicole! Until next time, everyone.